0: Hello, welcome to Charity Chat. I'm your host, Samuel Davies. In this episode, we speak with Laura Thurlow, BEM, Business Development Manager at JGA, about apprenticeships. We speak about what apprenticeships are, how they work and how they could be useful for charities as they seek to deliver for their beneficiaries in this increasingly complex world. This episode of Charity Chat has been brought to you by our platinum sponsor, Work for Good. Work for Good believes everyone should be able to turn the work they do into good. Through their fundraising platform, they offer charities a way to engage and work with small businesses, including founders, owners and sole traders who want to make an impact for charities through their sales. To find out more, please visit workforgood.co.uk. So without further ado, here is Laura Thurlow, BEM, speaking with me about apprenticeships for charities. I'm delighted to be joined by Laura Thurlow, BEM, Business Development Manager at JGA. Laura, welcome to Charity Chats. Thank you for having me,
1: my pleasure.
0: So I guess we could start as we tend to start all of our shows now by uh, talking a little bit about you. So what is your background? What's led you to the work you're now doing at JGA?
1: Yeah, so um, I've always worked in charities. Um, Since I left university, I sort of decided I wanted to do something that I believed was making a difference. I think my parents sort of instilled those values in me. They were both working in, um, in charities at the time. Um, So, yeah, I've always had the pleasure of working in charities. Initially, I started out um, a disability charity based in Suffolk, which is uh, where I'm from. Um, And then when my husband and I moved to Surrey in 2008, I joined a charity called the Community Foundation for Surrey, which is a grant making um, organisation. So I had the great pleasure of uh, being involved in in making grants to a whole range of different charities and community groups, county, and was there for for many years. And so now um, I'm using that sort of knowledge and connections with with charities and understanding, I guess, of the charity world um, in my role at JGA, Mm -hmm. uh, which is uh, an independent training provider, um, providing, I mean, what I tend to work on is is apprenticeship training programs. And um, really I get the pleasure of talking to lots and lots of charities um, and making them aware of all the opportunities that apprenticeships offer.
0: And had you got experience yourself of apprenticeships, is that how you kind of got into JGA or or was it more the kind of charity facing part of your previous role that kind of um, led you to, into this?
1: Yeah, much more the, the charity facing. Um, if I'm really completely honest, um, having been a manager of a charity um, and had staff that um, you know, obviously had learning and development needs. And also when we were thinking about recruiting, if I'm really honest, apprenticeships was not something that was on my radar at all. Um so I've been on a grand kind of learning curve um, and it is it's genuine that I understand why charities you know are very busy doing what they do and maybe particularly the sort of smaller and medium charities um, don't have the time to look into this as an opportunity so uh, it's with great pleasure that I can kind of illuminate them a little bit I mean some of the bigger charities um, that are paying what's called the apprenticeship levy they tend to be more savvy about it and and be aware of of what's going on but um, yeah Busy charity staff tend to um, have their heads down doing what's important for them and not be aware. So,
0: What is an apprenticeship and what opportunities do apprenticeships offer to charities?
1: Yeah, so an apprenticeship is it's a formal structured program of learning, uh, of training uh, for professional development. Um, it's usually delivered over a period of around sort of 12 to 18 months. Some of them are slightly longer. Um, and at the end, you have what's called an endpoint assessment. Um, and then you have obviously a, a qualification uh, coming out of the end of that program. And it's very much designed around a particular job role. Um, so it's designed to give um, the individual the knowledge the skills and the behaviors that they need to be really great and competent in a specific job role. Mm-hmm. Um, and it can be used um, to develop and invest in existing staff members within an organization or to sort of upskill them and, and develop them on. Um, and it can also be used um, you can use an apprenticeship with your recruiting staff and you're looking to sort of develop them when they're brand new in your organisation as well um, and they are one of the things that's sort of not so widely known and we tend to sort of put them in a bit of a box and think of them as you know maybe the construction industry or, or mm-hmm. other industries mm-hmm. where you know they've been going really successfully for a long time um, people tend not to know that there are now nearly 800 different apprenticeships that are available so there's a really oh, yeah. wide range uh, of specialisms and it's not just for certain sectors or, or certain industries um, and there also available in a range of levels so actually they go all the way up to master's degree level equivalent so that sort of development opportunity and upskilling is completely available as much as you know apprenticeships can still be really successful at that entry level role they go all the way up to level seven
0: and for for small charities uh potentially that maybe don't have a lot of staff to, to start off with are apprenticeships kind of a way that they can, I mean, are they funded? Is that is that for the organization to fund or is there funding out there? Is it kind of a viable alternative to raising the funds for um, new staff, for example?
1: yeah i mean they are the training is government funded um so charities will still be responsible for paying the salary of their apprentice right, okay. um, so they will need to find that within their budget except of course if they're putting an existing staff member onto an apprenticeship training program then it is basically free training because they're already paying the Brilliant. salary um, and the government is going to fund the training. Um, so, yeah, the government will fund at least 95% uh, of the costs of the training. It depends on the size of your organisation um, and also slightly on the age of the apprentice um, at the time that you place them onto the programme. But at least 95% of it will be funded. So our fundraiser programme, for example, uh, the total costs of that programme, which is an 18 month training programme, is uh, £8,000. And the government will at least fund 7600 of that so um, even if you've got to find the five percent then in terms of your training budget that's just 400 pounds that you've got to, got to find uh, to place someone onto that training which is really affordable and, and it's a great incentive that the government provides
0: and the the candidates from the sounds of it you've got those kind of two groups you've got those people that already work within your organization or maybe volunteer within your organization i guess would that be yeah a, they do need to be in an employed role employed. That's okay lines, yeah and then you've also got the i suppose the opportunity the apprenticeships um offer to um to people maybe looking to get into the sector as well Is that right?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And at the moment, I'm talking, for example, to a couple of charities about doing both. So, um, you know, the line manager I'm talking to is wanting to recruit someone into their team, um, but they themselves also want to invest in their own development, um, professional development. So they're then looking at a higher level apprenticeship programme for themselves. So, yeah, both opportunities are available um, to all organisations.
0: Fantastic. And I guess we're at a time, we've talked about this on the podcast before, fairly recently, where... um, we want kind of a, in a lot of cases, we need a more diverse um, kind of workforce within the charity sector. Is there anything to suggest that apprenticeships can help to bring in a more diverse workforce?
1: absolutely yeah there's a lot to, to show that um the jga group um that, that i work for we've actually been recognized in terms of the, the diversity um so we last year 2021 we were awarded the queen's award for enterprise which was um specifically around creating those supportive environments for very diverse learners um, to progress and, and succeed um and we do have a, a really diverse mix of, of candidates on our programs and i think for charity particularly um, looking to recruit and and add into their existing staff team and uh, where they're really keen and passionate about diversity, it just opens the role up to another audience. Um, So people who are looking for an apprenticeship, you can advertise the role on the government's Find an Apprenticeship website. um, And there's a whole diverse pool of candidates that then will see the role that maybe wouldn't have otherwise sort of come across your charity and and found the vacancy that that you're advertising. Um, So it does open up a, a new pool of candidates. And hopefully we'll go some way, obviously, within a, a wider strategy of diversity, equity and inclusion um, to, to helping charities that want to pursue that. Yeah.
0: How can charities approach providing apprenticeships themselves and what do they need to consider to make it a win win for them and their apprentices?
1: Yeah, so because it's government funded very generously, uh, there are some requirements that charities need to think about um, making sure that they meet. Um, as we've already mentioned, um, apprentices need to be a paid employee, um, whether that's new or existing. They can't be a volunteer, unfortunately. Um, they need to have a contract of employment that will last for at least the duration of the apprenticeship programme. So if you're placing them on to an 18 month programme, they can be on a fixed term contract, but it needs to cover, obviously, the, the duration of that, that commitment. Um, they need to be working in most cases at least 30 hours a week. But one of the unique things that we offer on our fundraiser apprenticeship is a part time option so as long as uh, they're working at a minimum of 20 hours a week it means that the apprenticeship takes slightly longer um, but we can place them onto that program um, and it's really important that they work in a role which is relevant to the apprenticeship that we're placing them onto. so each of the apprenticeships has really clear knowledge skills and behaviors that each learner will will be developing and they need to have the opportunities in their day-to-day job to be able to um, be putting that into practice. So we'll look quite carefully at their job description and the role that they're doing and make sure that maps up with with the apprenticeship standard. We can also advise and help uh, charities that are looking to recruit um, on you know, how to tailor their job description to make sure that it is ma- matching up with that um, that apprenticeship standard. And then a key thing is that the candidate needs to need the training, which sounds quite straightforward. But, you know, if they've already got a qualification um, or if they've worked in a field for many, many years, and it, it's then a, a struggle for us to sort of evidence why the government should should pay for right, them to okay. be trained in, in an area. Um, but yeah, those are some key things to, to look at. In terms of sort of um, starting out, I mean, do do have a look at our website and the range of uh, apprenticeships that we offer, which are in fundraising, in marketing, uh, digital as well. Uh, we also have a policy officer um, and an admin and some data Um, apprenticeships so um, there's a range that we offer but also um, I would say you know look at the Institute for Apprenticeships and Technical Education IFATE, and that lists all of the 790 something apprenticeships so if you're looking to either upskill someone in an existing role or bring someone new into the team you can just do a quick search of the job I mean just literally put the job uh, title in and it will come up with suggested apprenticeships that might match with what you're looking for so that's a really great place to start as
0: well how do you see apprenticeships evolving especially in light of a post-pandemic world which is currently up against the cost of living and climate crisis
1: yeah that's a massive question isn't it um i mean one thing i would say is um with that in mind, um, we, we every employer that we talk to that is thinking about taking on an apprenticeship, an apprentice, sorry, um, and looking at the government's sort of minimum apprentice um, wage rates, they are really very low. Um, and with all that's going on at the moment, we're definitely advising employers if they can be more generous than that, um, to, to think about not seeing an apprentice just as a sort of a cheap resource that you can add in, but thinking about obviously providing um, a wage that 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 means they can meet some of the costs of living that that they're going to have. It's a real job and they will be delivering, um, you know, a real job in your organisation. So it's about sort of respecting them with with the right salary. Um, And many apprentices will grow and develop um, to such an extent during that programme that you will see the value coming back in and and you won't want to want to lose them. And also, actually, if you think about paying the, the lowest a possible um, wage that you can get away with but then you want to take them on at the end of the program you've got a huge leap from mm, that yeah. to where you then need to be getting to so meeting somewhere in the middle is, is definitely something that that we would advise um yeah valuing your apprentice like you would any other staff member um, and just sort of paying them at that level which enables them to afford to live um, so, yeah, I mean, in terms of your big question, I obviously I can't predict the future, um, but it would certainly be my hope that as people start to think maybe a bit differently um, and look at opportunities more widely, um, that more people will, will start to be encouraged to explore apprenticeships within their organisation um, and, you know, see them as a chance for individuals to learn while they're earning. Um, growing and developing knowledge and skills while they're in a paid job um, is a great opportunity. Um, And obviously I would say this, but ultimately, you know, I hope that more people will see apprenticeships at any stage of their career um, as a really valuable tool uh, for professional development. And I I think there is that culture now of uh, starting to look at things differently and explore different opportunities, maybe because people are being forced to do that. Um, Mm. but That's always a good thing, I think, isn't it?
0: That's one thing, actually. Is there there anything in the... um in in the approach for apprenticeships that um, kind of is aware of kind of hybrid working and things like that or is that to to, is there any kind of like uh, mandatory being face to face for example for that duration of the apprenticeships or
1: yeah we can we talk to each employer about how that will work um we can certainly place um individuals obviously with employers that are offering that hybrid um it can work quite well actually because um if if their employee can be at home for example, on a half day or a day where they're working on their apprenticeship, then it's it's probably a potentially sort of a quieter space than being in the office with colleagues around... So- um, all of our training seminars are still um, online, uh, which is working really well because um, people can join from around the UK and they're not having to travel uh, to wherever a training centre might be. Uh, so we're keeping that under review, but they are live, interactive sessions, and they are to intentionally sort of small groups of learners. So there is that that quality um, in the delivery. Um, but yeah, being online seems to work for people at the moment. Saves the cost and the time spent in in travelling. Um, um, and then uh, learners are doing sort of their own independent work before they come to those sessions um, and then sort of reflective and and um, application work after those um, sessions they also have a, a one and a half or one to one and a half hour. Session one to one with a skills coach each month. So, as well as the training seminars, they've got that one to one support as well. And again, at the moment, that sort of tends to be an online um, meeting, which seems to work well, but we're we're quite flexible. If coaches are quite close to where candidates are based, uh, we can be flexible around that. Um, So, yeah, we're very open to that hybrid working. But one of the things, obviously, we, we are advising employers is particularly if they're taking on an apprentice that is just committing that that level of support and thinking through how are you going to support that individual if they are too much based at home and not in an office with the support of their manager mm. or you know the structures aren't there then maybe they're not setting them up for success but it's a conversation and obviously each, each organization is looking at that differently aren't they at the moment.
0: Laura Thurlow, BEM, thank you for contributing to Charity Chats.
1: Thank you for having me, great pleasure.
0: Big thank you there to Laura Thurlow BEM for sharing her insights and expertise with us here on Charity Chats. Laura talked about the apprenticeships being designed to give the individual the knowledge, skills, and behaviours that they need in a specific job role. But they can also be used to upskill existing staff too. While organizations do need to find the funds to pay the apprentices. The training is largely funded by the government and this could be a good way of helping to diversify an organisation while helping them to train up professionals across different disciplines to help move their organisation on. Apprentices need to be employed for the duration of the training programme and must be paid by the employer, i.e. the charity. And it's really important that the employee is working in a role that is aligned to the apprenticeship that they are embarking on. In these particularly difficult times, the opportunity of developing a charity's resource needs with heavily subsidised government training, while also potentially diversifying the organisation, is an opportunity worth exploring for many charities. So thank you, dear listener, for getting this far with us. We hope you enjoyed this episode and continue to enjoy the podcast. We'd love to hear either way. It's just left for me to thank our corporate sponsors. This episode of Charity Chat has been brought to you by our platinum sponsor, Work for Good. Work for Good believes everyone should be able to turn the work they do into good through their fundraising platform. They offer charities a way to engage and work with small businesses, including founders, owners and sole traders who want to make an impact for charities through their sales. To find out more, please visit workforgood.co.uk also like to thank Giant Squid Audio Lab for sponsoring our podcast kit. Magda Smith for our beautiful website. Check it out at charitychat.org.uk and Forrester Fools for playing throughout the show and for playing us out right now. That's it from me. Keep on doing what you can. Speak to you soon. Cheerio. Bye-bye.